Welcome to the CIO Podcast on Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today, and I'm excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging, and we want to help you be more successful. And today's guest is one that I've been following for probably 15 years, because I used to blog spar with him back in the day where I would write a blog post, he would write a blog post, which shows you, you know, a lot about him that he's been blogging for 15 years like me. And our special guest is Will Weeder. He's CIO at Peace Health. Welcome, Will. Hi, John. Great to see you, my friend. Yeah, I mean, what's fascinating, this is the first time we've ever met face-to-face, <laughs> and yet we've probably had hundreds of interactions online. Anyway, we should have done it earlier, but uh, <laughs> for those that don't know you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and Peace Health. Um, sure. I'm a healthcare CIO since 1995, uh, so I've got a lot of uh, experience and have watched the healthcare IT industry evolve, and it's uh, been fun uh, Peace Health is an amazing organization, very classical Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Our hospitals are in Oregon, Washington, and Alaska. And it has uh, a, the Pacific Northwest culture permeating through it. We're progressive, we're laid back. Um, I can wear a plaid shirt and cargo <laughs> pants to work and nobody would blink an eye. So uh-huh. I love it here. That's awesome. Well, Alaska kind of throws that off a little, it feels like. That's got to be unique, I would think. It is. We just have one hospital in Alaska, but I love to throw that in there because it makes it sound much bigger. Yeah, well, and I bet they need your support and they fly people in, I would imagine. So that's pretty cool. Well, you talked about the evolution and, you know, you've been in this game, if you will, a long time. How has the CIO position evolved since you first became CIO and kind of what remains the same? Yeah, um, well, the, the role is different in that I remember in 1995 sitting in the executive meetings thinking, I should just let the clinical people talk here, you know, and if anything comes up, I'll have something to say. Uh, And now, you know, every topic runs through IT, has major IT implications. My mind is constantly racing about, okay, how are we going to support this? What do we need to change in order to be able to do this? So, you know, the criticality of IT and therefore our need to constantly evolve is probably the thing that's changed the most. And I imagine the board has changed their perspective on IT as well, right? I mean, in the beginning, they you were just turn the lights on, right? Turn the internet, the servers on, roll out the desktops. Is that true? And has have they changed their perspective? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so they're uh, thinking strategically. They all have IT as the fundamental underpinnings of the businesses that they run or participate in, mm-hmm. you know, and so they have higher expectations in terms of IT being a strategy, no longer, you know, an investment to save a few FDs here, a few dollars there. Mm-hmm. And as you look back at your experience as CIO, what do you think is your greatest accomplishment? And, and maybe what was the key to really making that accomplishment a success? Yeah, so I think you have to ask yourself, what does a CIO do? Mm-hmm. What is the job of the CIO? And, and from my perspective, um, and I've tweeted this before, you probably read it, um, right? Uh, it, I think of it, I grew up in Flint, Michigan. My dad worked on the line, you know, and, and I'm not here to build cars. Uh, I'm here to build a factory that builds cars quickly 
and cost effectively and with high quality. You know, and so when somebody asks me that question, I don't tend to think about any one project. I've been involved, obviously, with hundreds of projects, some of them very complex. Um, but what I do in our organization is to make sure that those projects go well, because those projects are the stepping stones to achieving our strategy. Mm -hmm. And so my job is to increase project throughput and get, uh, make sure those projects uh, achieve their intended results. Um, so that's, those are the things that I'm most proud of is starting with um, the ability to do this many projects when we start and then all of a sudden opening the floodgates and being able to transform the organization via IT very, very quickly. That's fascinating. That's not one project. I thought for sure you'd say the EHR, but <laughs> jokingly. <laughs> but no, I mean the, the fact that you, you know, that's a that's a really interesting accomplishment. You know, is building the project machine, if you will, that's able to execute at a high level. Is I think how I describe it. What's the key to really doing that effectively? For me, it was a mindset change. Right, I was I was stuck. Um, and I uh, worked with uh, somebody who really has some great insights into IT management, Kevin Bear, who's with Red Hat now, uh, wrote a few books about IT process improvement. You know, and what he told me to do was to read the goal. Um, and I would recommend that book to every aspiring leader, every manager. Uh, mm -hmm. It's about manufacturing. And I remember first starting to read it. Uh, and thinking this does not apply to me. I'm not building anything. And then it just sort of clicked for me. I am building something. I do have a product that I put out and I do need to think about how I can put that product out quickly and, and in a high quality fashion and where, and the goal talks about the theory of constraints, mm -hmm. right? And so instead of throwing resources and money at things, you have to really look at every step in the process, contracting, quality assurance, um, everything in that whole process and say, where are these projects getting stuck? What is resulting in them having lower quality than we would like? Uh, and removing those constraints, you know, with a sniper type accuracy. And so uh, that has been, I think, the most helpful thing for me to look at that body of work. And, and, uh, and like I said, it was a real breakthrough for me. Ah, great advice. And we'll have to put a link to the book in, in the notes. So that's great. So, I mean, that's a, a really a significant accomplishment. I, I think, you know, and it really goes back to good leadership, but was there maybe a time that you, you failed as CIO and what did you learn from it? All the time, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, and project success rate still in any industry is still not great. I think it was Standish who said, you know, something like a 50% uh, success rate. I've seen that throughout my career. I've seen a lot of investments not uh, reach the return. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I would say a couple of things about failure. One, uh, you have to be not afraid to call something a failure. And, and I find, especially in healthcare, folks don't want to do that. They don't want to make somebody feel bad about a huge amount of effort. And, and so it's really difficult, but you have to somehow separate you worked hard, you brought a lot of intellectual capital, you did everything you could from this is the result we got, you know, and how can we change that result going forward. Um, so first of all, you have to define it and point it out. And then, you know, people always talk about lessons learned, you know, I love going to him. Half the sessions are lessons learned, which yeah, that's true. we failed, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and that's okay. But 
they're not truly lessons learned if you create a PowerPoint and don't do anything about them, you know, and, and just hope you'll remember not to do the same thing over again. I, I am a process person. That's funny. I, I watched your first interview number one with Ed Marks. Uh-huh. Ed and I could not be any different. He is a relationship person. I love that about Ed. I, he, um, uh, he's, uh, but, but I'm more of a process person. I have to learn how to be good at relationships. And I talk to Ed from time to time and uh, follow him to learn to be better at relationships. But I feel like the answer to every failure, the answer to getting better and better is having a well-defined process and continually improving it to bake in and make those things defect-free, not to repeat the mistakes of the past. So it's not a, it's not a failure that's been addressed until your process has been improved. Fascinating. I love the comparison. I think the description is so apt between a relationship-based CIO that's good at that because that's their strength versus process. I mean, and certainly there's overlap between the two. I think it was also fascinating what you said about, you know, a failed project and how do you communicate that it was a failed project without telling that person that they're a failure? It feels like that's what you were trying to describe. I mean, I pull from Brene Brown. I don't know if you follow her at all uh, on vulnerability and, <laughs> and other things, but it sounds like that's what you were trying to say. Is that the key to kind of that communication? And I mean, f- for lack of a better term, that relationship with your person that had the failed project is helping them understand that it was a failure, but they're not a failure? Yeah, that's uh, better said than what I said. Yeah, I, I really like that. And, that. and that's really important too, right? You don't want to um, disenfranchise somebody because if, mm-hmm. you, if you leave them with the message that they're a failure, they're not going to try as hard next time, you know? And yeah, people, true. even in failed projects, have knocked themselves out. They've given their all, you know? And, um, I find very seldom the failure has to, anything to do with the, the people that, we're primarily working on the project. Hmm. Often it's a failure on the vendor and vendors fail a lot, you know, and they overpromise and underdeliver. It's a failure by the organization to think uh, of um, something that might not be as strategic as they thought it was, mm-hmm. you know, so, so you really have to dig in and understand those failures. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons you can fail. It's interesting that it's often not the people. Fascinating. Yeah. So as you look forward, you know, five years, we kind of looked back, we kind of talk about now, as you look forward five years, what do you think the key decisions are that you're going to make today that are going to put your organization in a place of success five years from now? Because I think that's kind of how it plays out. I mean, maybe you disagree with me that the decisions you make now are going to determine your success in the future. Yeah, right. And so that's an interesting question, right? Firstly, uh, going back to this model I have as what my job is as CIO, which is to create change as a product through these IT projects. Um, I like to think that in general, by doing that well, we're ready for any kind of strategy that the organization moves to. And if we have to quickly pivot to, you know, we still have the assembly line in place. We just got to retool it. Just like my dad used to get August off because they had retooled the assembly line for some uh-huh. the new models. We'd have to tweak that assembly line, but we could quickly pivot to whatever new strategy we have. And that's what we've tried to do is create something that's flexible and we're constantly assessing it against where the organization is, is going. Um, 
And, and so the, then I think the next thing is we, you, you want to be a planful organization. And so my job as the CIO is to be involved in strategy and try to make sure that the idea part of strategy and the execution part of strategy are well linked, that mm -hmm. there's an air traffic control system so that as these strategies are turned into projects, these projects are executed upon in a way that the resource availability is there and they're not colliding with other good ideas and other projects that are on the map. Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of what the future looks like for IT, it's pretty fun and exciting. And I, I think, you know, everybody's looking at the same thing in terms of value-based care and how do we provide uh, quality uh, services in a more cost-effective way. I believe strongly that the cost of healthcare is outrageous, that yeah. I personally and, and our industry has so a lot to do with that, and we owe it to fix it. And, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm committed uh, to being part of that solution. Uh, I think, it, you know, thinking back to Ed again um, and in his book on digital transformation is, is going to be absolutely key. I've enjoyed the journey so far. We've accomplished a lot. When I first became a CIO, or even when I first went into the healthcare industry, or totally paper-based records. I was implementing the very first order entry system, um, <laughs> and they were terrible. You think uh, EHRs are bad to use today? You should <laughs> see the 3270 light pen systems that we first implemented uh, when I became involved in IT. Um, but they've gotten better. They've got a long way to go, you know. And so it's uh, it's a fun journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to, uh, for the next question, kind of harken back to one. We did an interview, and it was a lot about blogging, I think, back in the day. It was back in 2012, and I asked you a similar question. And, you, you know, you gave such an insightful answer. I was like, I have to include this question with Will today. Yeah. So the question is, what are people not talking about that they should be? Um, I'll tell you something that, that I've done a couple times now that I can't believe is not a standard. Uh, and that's low-code development platforms. Hmm. I love low-code development platforms. Uh, at, at PeaceHealth, we specifically use a platform called QuickBase. Okay. Uh, and basically, we can build simple applications in hours. And not only within IT, but you know, with analyst help on the outside, they can develop their own applications, these citizen developers. And this is so helpful in uh, a project throughput, right? Because what people tend to start with is, oh, there's this piece of niche software that we wanna go and get because we have a niche need. It's outside of the EHR, it's outside of the ERP, you know, and, and we need to address that. And the problem with niche software is there's so much overhead. You have to go through the contracting process and the sourcing process. You have to figure out how you're gonna do single sign-on. You have to figure out how you're gonna provision and deprovision that access. You know, There is no way to implement even the most simple application without putting in a hundred hours of work. Um, and so with this low code development platform, we can take these relatively simple application needs, skip all of that because we already own it. We've already figured out how to connect it to the Active Directory um, and build these things and get them up and running, you know, in a day or two. Um, 
And so, so that helps free us up to do a lot more strategic things within the IT department, makes our customers happy. It's win, win, win. And do you allow them to, uh, do, is, it, is it that you roll that out as the production solution or is this something that you use to kind of test and say, does this matter? And, and then use that as a justification to go then spend the hundred hours with someone else. This is the production solution. So people outside of IT are building applications, creating tables that are linked together, building the forms for data entry, hmm. creating the visualization so they can look at the data that they've collected. Uh, now we're not gonna, like I said, run major clinical systems through this, but sure. every organization has hundreds of little needs that they're trying to do with spreadsheets. And, and the problem with spreadsheets is one, they're not databases. Two, they're not multi-user. You can't control the access. Uh, um, you can't create user roles that give people different types of access. And with our low code development platform, we can do all of those things. So anything that you're doing, that's a process that you're trying to manage through a spreadsheet today is a magnitude of order better when you do it through a low code development platform. Yeah, very cool. I love the, the idea. So as we kind of wrap up here, what advice would you give to a young Will, Wide, Will Weeder that uh, at the start of his career, you know, obviously you started at a different time than someone starting today, but what would you uh, give them as advice to someone who's aspiring to be CIO or maybe just became CIO? Not a lot, uh, to be honest. Um, uh, I, right, I, I used to, here's a story. I was working on a project in Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh, and the person I was working with the most was named Keith. We both wanted to be CIOs. Okay. And we, were we used to talk about uh, how we could become CIOs. Um, and I said, you gotta go outside of your organization, get some consulting experience, and that's how you become a CIO. So fast forward about 10 years, I become a CIO for One Health System and. Appleton, Wisconsin, um, and uh, because I did go that route, and Keith stayed with his organization, and lo and behold, he was the CIO for the other organization. So there is no one path, there is no one personality trait. Like I said, I'm a logic person, a process improvement person. Ed, who's brilliant at his job and has always been a great CIO, I've known him a long time, is a relationship person, and that's okay. I, I do think though, you have to be self-aware. You have to understand uh, what your strengths are and what they're not. And then you have to have a real commitment to figuring out how you make your weaknesses your strengths. I like to say the things that I do best as a CIO are the things I'm really bad at naturally because I've had the discipline to learn how to be good and, and kind of build the methodology to, to be good. So, um, so I learn a lot from people like Ed, even though he's different than I am. I learn a lot from people like you, John, and in, in, Insightful. Um, oh, uh, another story. Can I tell you one more story? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't we want Ed to be the only chief. We story. want to call this. Oh, you want to be the new chief storyteller? I see. Okay. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm not <laughs> rival that. Um, just a, a, um, sitting on the couch watching your uh, podcast with Ed. My wife walks in just as Ed was talking about. Uh, how he enjoys uh, ballroom dancing with his wife. And I looked over at my wife and my wife looked at me and she said, <laughs> so again, <laughs> different personalities, but that's, I think that's what's good. 
I would also say the other reason I wouldn't give a lot of advice to people is I've been fortunate. I came into the industry at a time, you know, where it was just starting to get started. I remember what Bill Gates said is he was the right person at the right time. I would add, um, you know, I had uh, some set of skills that lended itself well to, to this. I'd also add I had the benefit of being a white male at a time where there was a bias that that was what a leader looked like. And uh, it's now incumbent upon me to make sure that you know, women and people of color have opportunities and aren't held back by biases. Um, and then one last thing I guess I would say in terms of advice to people, um, just raise your hand and say, boy, that's what I would like to do. You would not mm -hmm. believe how much that does. As long tell your boss, your supervisor, what your ambitions are, what your goals are. And often they'll bend over backwards to help you be successful and accomplish that. Love it. Great advice. And I think it's interesting you talk about the evolution and learning and learning to grow your strengths because you know, if you think about it, uh, and you you tweeted this recently, that you had a decade to figure out blogging, <laughs> then you spent a decade doing Twitter, which, you know, I, I'd love to hear maybe some thoughts about blogging and Twitter for people as well. And then now you're on TikTok, which, uh, you know, I'm sure people are going to have to go search for you on TikTok now to see what you're sharing. But, but why do you do that? Why, I mean, why did you blog and get involved in Twitter? And, and now, you know, you're playing around with TikTok. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I would say two things. One, all of us have this desire to express ourselves in some way, you know, yeah. uh, and I'm not going to be doing much dancing or songwriting or, or, you know, I'm not creative, but I do have some views to share. I have a perspective on certainly leadership in my industry, our industry. Um, and then I think the other thing is I've always been interested in this intersection of technology and culture. That's mm. always been the thing that's really fascinating me. And I think it really applies to our role as CIOs. Much of our success in rolling out these information technologies is around the culture built around them, you know? And so I, I've tried to be a student of that. You know, I remember reading Wired Magazine when it first came out and that just expanded my mind because that's really what Wired is all about. Yeah. But I also like to experiment in, in these new platforms, these new mediums. Yeah. I'll steal a quote from uh, David Chow. I think it was the one that said it, that uh, how are you going to hire the next generation if you don't understand them? So I think there's an element of that too, right? You know, at least getting on TikTok can help you understand them in a new way, which I think is great. And is part of being a leader. So my Twitter bio says millennial at heart. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being part of the CIO podcast. Uh, you know, it took us uh, uh, 15 years to finally get together. We'll have to do it sooner than later next time. But thank you so much, everyone, for listening and watching. If you want to find more great health IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com. Thanks, Will. Bye.